Plutus Sports Analytics is a company based on minimizing the uncertainty in sports betting to help you maximize your profit. Newfoundland's first sports analytics team provides daily predictions for all major league sports so you can win big. Whether you want to hit MLB picks out of the park or get a slam dunk on your NBA betting tickets, Plutus is a company of choice. Head to PlutusSportsAnalytics.com. That is P-L-U-T-U-S SportsAnalytics.com. Use code JSP10 for 10% off their deadly service. Welcome back, everybody, to the episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is uh, episode number 164, dedicated to a league that was organized on January 4th, 1920. The National Negro Baseball League. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading another episode of the podcast. On today's episode, we talk a little bit about what took place Friday night in the Sugar Bowl. Kyrie Irving, why are you resting so early in the season? And... A little tribute to a gentleman that is no longer at ESPN. But first, man, oh man, oh man. Happy New Year, guys. I want to just first say that. I hope you, your family, and your friends had a fun time bringing in the new year. But as the new year is started, bowl season has ended. And in the middle of bowl season, I recently heard earlier this week an episode on a podcast and even things on the TV where people are asking the question, should bowl games be played? And that's a question that has been surfaced past two or three years. It hasn't been very long. It is not a narrative, well, it's not a thought, I'm going to say narrative. It's not a thought that I think should get much traction. Should bowl games be played? Every single sport has some sort of postseason. Now, Little League, that may be different. You may have junior that plays on a on a t- and plays t ball, and it may not be a postseason or a tournament or a playoff. It may simply be, hey, you play these these eight games and your season's done. You got eight games in eight weeks, and you're done playing. Have a little pizza party, uh, do what you got to do to celebrate the season, and then you're done. It's over. But I surely know if you're playing travel ball as a youngster. <laughs> There's a postseason, there's a tournament. If you're playing in middle school, there's probably no tournament if you're just playing school ball. When I played freshman football, there was no postseason at all. When I played JV football, there was no postseason. But varsity ranks in, in high school at every level, or excuse me, when, especially when you get to college. Intramural basketball, when I was in high school, there was there was a, a tournament at the end of the season. Of course, you play your regular, regular, regular season games, and then the tournament comes along. And then you get a champion. Well, in college football, there is no traditional postseason or tournament. Now there's some sort of a tournament or a playoff. That's a conversation for another day. But there are bowl games. In mo- at most, there were 41 bowl games. And I truly am a person that says 41 bowl games is too many. Also, I am also a person that says in a year like this, if you're below 500, you do not deserve to be in a bowl game. You don't. I don't care if you won your bowl game this year. Three and seven, <laughs> please excuse me. You don't deserve to be in a bowl game. But this narrative that is out there, this thought that's out there, people are saying, 
Bowl games aren't safe. Players might get hurt. What are we doing with ourselves? Why don't we put them out there at risk? They need to prepare for the NFL draft. Well, let's think about this very quickly. Even on your highest, your best college football teams, your Ohio States, your Alabamas, your Clemsons, your Notre Dames, your Floridas, schools like that, they're only going to have a small number of guys that can even have a chance to play in the NFL. And in that small number of guys, number that players that have a chance to play in the NFL, there's also a small number in that number that will even be able to play or get a chance to play in the NFL. Some will play on practice squads. Some may even get some run in the preseason, assuming there is a preseason next year. But for the most part, a lot of those guys, let's just, let's just say, I know it's more than 100, but let's just say there are, there are 100 players on a team in college football. You're, the majority of them, 80, 85, 90% of them, 90, 96, 97% of them aren't going to play. Now, great, if there's 100, let's say there's, let's say 10. So 90% of the players are not going to play in the NFL. Not at all. So you mean to tell me that the, this, this thought that's out there from the media, that people should not play bowl games? Oh, because they might get hurt or, oh, maybe because it's not, it's not good or oh, whatever their excuse is. Guys, let's be serious now. Bowl games in college football, even though it's unorthodox, it's different than any other sport. It is the way that college football has decided to award teams for their success or how they played during the regular season. I don't believe 41 bowl games should be the number. I would say dial that thing down. Even if you want to say, if you want to keep it at 41 or if you want to change the requirements, say, oh, instead of being 500, you got to win seven games. Go seven and five in a regular year instead of six and six. I wouldn't have a problem with that either. Honestly, it would make the competition on the field a whole lot better. But this thought, and even the thought that players opting out of bowl games, I don't like that either. I don't like that at all. I'm, I'm against. I'm, uh, oh, I'm 100% against that one. Also, I'm 100% against this thought that there should not be bowl games or do we need to play bowl games. Bowl games continue to be played. They should be played Unless you find a way to incorporate more teams outside of the top four. I'm not saying we need expansion for the playoff. But if you find a way to expand how many play, how many teams can play in the postseason to keep this thought of, of rewarding players for how they played in the season, go for it. But if the current system and the system that goes forward is bowl games, and you're saying, oh, they shouldn't play because players might get hurt, then maybe, just maybe, football should not be played because players might get hurt. And I'm sure you would not want football to not be played because you like the football. So if football is played, let's keep the same way that we're rewarding players for what they have done during the regular season. Bowl games, got no problem with them. Let's keep playing them. Let's go ahead and take a trip to New Orleans, Louisiana, because what took place Friday night in the Sugar Bowl? Oh my gosh. As a Buckeye fan, that made me very happy. All offseason long, the Buckeye players and coaches had to be reminded of the final score of last year's Fiesta Bowl, the final game of their season. Ohio State 23, Clemson 29. No, they didn't have to go out and search and look on the Twitter or go to Google and was that wasn't where they found it. No, it was put right there in the practice facility for them to see every single day. 
Ohio State 23, Clemson 29. The game ended, well, one of the final plays of the game last year was a Nolan Turner interception of Justin Fields in the end zone where there was miscommunication between Alave and Fields. That was not the reason that they lost the game, but that was part of the reason the Buckeyes did not come out victorious at the end of last year's Fiesta Bowl. And if I was a player or a coach, as soon as the final rankings came out, as soon as there was, it was realized who the next opponent would be, I would have been very happy and would have immediately got to work. Let's watch some film. Let's get some reps in. Let's let's go on the practice field and start throwing the ball around the yard so we can stay on so we can stay at the top of our game. Because when you see 29 to 23 in the practice facility, that does one thing to you. But having a chance to let that team know how you felt after that loss last year, that's another thing. And you may be asking, Jay, what happened at the end of this game? 49 to 28. That was the final score, a straight beat down in the bayou. The Buckeyes, they were victorious over the Tigers in New Orleans, Louisiana on Friday night. A great way to start the year off. And man, there's so much to this. <laughs> I don't know if I got time to talk about it. Man, oh man. 49-28. 49-28. It all started a couple weeks prior to the game being kicked off when the Ohio State Buckeyes would have to wait and see who their next opponent for the college football playoff semifinal game would be. Now, actually, it wasn't so much waiting because I forgot, just reminded me, just popped popped it to my head. During the final ranking show, they don't go four to one. They go one to to four. Alabama was clear-cut number one. That was... That was not something that you could escape. That was not something that you could uh, get away from. They are clear-cut the number one team prior to that game, prior to that ranking coming out. They were the number one team in the country. And I don't know if anybody has a clear-cut argument to say that they weren't during this season. Number two, Clemson Tigers. They beat Notre Dame in the ACC Championship, another another beatdown in that game. And they're number two. They were in the national championship last year. I know to me, that holds no weight, but to the humans that vote, a lot of them say, oh, you were in the national championship last year. You didn't win it, but you were still in the game. That means something to us. So that's that's there. You have have that. And what else do you have that's going to be there? You have the Buckeyes coming in at number three. Notre Dame is number four. Notre Dame lost in the Rose Bowl, which was played at Arlington, Texas, which I still can't wrap my head around this year. So Alabama won in the first game, kicked off around 420. Then in the nightcap, Ohio State and Clemson. So when you think about what took place, what happens the day of the rankings coming out, what happens to you if you're a player? Preparation starts. Mentally, you're there. Physically, you hope you're there. Coaches, you might get less sleep. You might spend more time watching film. You might spend more time discussing things with other coaches. Maybe, maybe, hey, Ryan Day may have called Brian Kelly to say, hey, Brian, what worked in the first matchup? What what worked in the second matchup uh, against against Clemson? I know not much. I know you guys lost the game, but what worked? We we want to. Well, I want to talk to you. You you played them twice this year, 
between the last time I played them. I want to see exactly what worked for you. And these phone calls start happening. These phone calls start working around. Maybe an extra Zoom call or two where players, hey, man, look, uh, I, I'm not really about to be on the game very much right now. I got to watch more film. I got to prepare for this game. This is the biggest game of my life. And when you think about all that, and then when you see the game we kicked off, you're wondering in your, in your mind, can the Buckeyes do it? Excuse me, I was wondering in my mind, can the Buckeyes do it? My ultimate prediction for this game, I had one of my friends who's an Ohio State fan, uh, got on me for this and said, hey, why aren't you being a homer? Well, I want to be an objective and I want to be honest. I want to give my honest opinion about who I think will win this game. And going into it, I did a video on the Instagram page for the podcast, at Podcast there on Instagram. Give it a follow. Going to do more videos. Going to show my face more. Going to be very active, more active there on the Instagram to kind of enhance the ability of this podcast to not just be an audio space, but to be a space uh, socially and digitally for people as well, for more people to connect with the podcast. So there on the Instagram page uh, on New Year's Day around 11 a.m. I believe it was right outside my parents' house. Had to pick up some things on New Year's Day. And I made it out very clear. I was going chalk in this game. I didn't want to go chalk. I'm not a person that wants to go one, two there that way. But that was how I thought this game would go. Both games. Number one, Alabama beating Notre Dame. Number two, Clemson beating Ohio State. Ha! Your boy was wrong in game number two. And I'm glad that I am wrong because my team lives to see another day. Dabo Sweeney ran his mouth all the time, all week long. And there are so many things you could talk about with Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney says this. Dabo Sweeney says that. Dabo Sweeney disrespects the Buckeyes. Dabo Sweeney, Dabo Sweeney, Dabo Sweeney. There are two things that I think about when someone's running their mouth in this way. One, they are confident. They are straight confident. But two, the one that came into my head is maybe he understands or realizes how good the Buckeyes are. And him talking so much is a sign of fear or a sign that he's uneasy about his team's chances of winning the game. Not his feeling about how confident he is that his team would win. And Dabo kept talking. Dabo kept talking. And Dabo kept talking. Now, I'm not saying Dabo running his mouth was the reason why the Tigers lost. No, ultimately, it happened on the field. No matter what Dabo Sweeney did, Dabo running his mouth was part of the reason the Buckeyes lost the game. Nah, I will put it all on Dabo Sweeney. I will not do that. But one thing I will do is this. Dabo Sweeney just added to the fuel, added fuel to the fire. And when there's added fuel to the fire, after this already a year-long feeling of uneasiness, of uh, an uneasy taste in your mouth, when Dabo Sweeney is just running his mouth and talking, and you gotta look in there, at, you gotta look in there in the woody. Oh man, that score! I'm tired of this. Let's go to work. That score! I'm tired of this. Let's go to work. I'm tired of looking at this score. We have to do that over and over and over again. Once that ball was kicked off New Year's Day down there in the bayou, all that talk. All that work in the offseason and the preparation, that's great. But if you don't get out there in them lines and hit, hit hard, move the ball, and do your job, it don't mean nothing. The best preparation going into the biggest game is great. But you got to put it out there on the field and do exactly what you can do. One thing that sticks out in this game, there's so much I can talk about about this game. Justin Fields, man. Six TDs. A Sugar Bowl and Ohio State Bowl record. Buckeyes had over 600 yards of offense. 
Trey Sermon, Trey Sermon, another phenomenal game. 31 carries, 193 rushing yards, two trips to the end zone. And man, oh man, oh man, everybody thought, myself included, when Justin Fields got popped by James Skowski there in the second quarter, with about six minutes to go in the game, in the half, that is, man, I'm thinking, okay, cool. If he don't come back, it's over. That's just me, myself, and I. If he don't come back, it's over. Justin Fields gets popped. Skowski gets ejected for targeting once again. The same thing Nolan Turner, the safety, the quarterback of the secondary, as they call him, as he got ejected uh, in the ACC championship for targeting, had to miss the first half of the Sugar Bowl. Fields goes out one play. CJ Stroud comes in. Fields comes back in. You could tell. <laughs> that boy was hurt. Man, that boy was hurt. And I ain't going to lie to you. When I saw that hit, <laughs> that hurt me. And one of the first things I thought about after that hit was, that boy is going to be feeling that hit tomorrow. Now the Buckeyes have done a phenomenal job with keeping things in-house and not allowing things to get, to get leaked out as far as information about injuries or the Rona or positive cases. They have done a great job of keeping those things to themselves. Even to date, a lot of people that are on the unavailability, unavailability list for the game you don't know if it's going to be for the Rona. You don't know if it's going to be for contact tracing or going to injury. You just don't know. Buckeyes, phenomenal. I got, I got to give it to you. I got to give it to you. In a world where everything gets leaked, in a world where everything just, just comes out, the Buckeyes have found a way to even their beat reporters that are the most tapped into the program. Ha! We, we are not letting this get out. So back to Justin Fields. He's going to be hurting. But there was a game to, game to play. Stroud comes in, Stroud comes out, Fields goes back in, second and goal on the nine-yard line, left hash. Fields gets the snap, rolls right, Alave runs a route, phenomenal route, takes out the corner, touchdown. And as Fields holds his side, going to the sideline, we're all wondering, can he play the rest of the game? <laughs> that boy did. Phenomenal job, great game. And as you think about what this does to the Buckeyes' mentality, the Buckeyes physically, and the psyche of the mentality of the Crimson Tide, as this is going to be probably one of the better national championship games we have watched in recent memory. Let's think about this. Ryan Day, Nick Saban, two of the best coaches in college football right now. Mac Jones, Justin Fields, two of the best quarterbacks in college football right now. Patrick Sertan II, Sean Wade, two of the best corners in college football right now. Najee Harris, one of the best running backs. Chris Alave, Devontae Smith, two of the best wide receivers. You can go on and on and on and on and on about the matchups, how teams are going to be playing, about the players and the coaches on both sides. One thing I got to let, just remind everybody before we close this segment out. Steve Sarkeesian, offensive coordinator of the Alabama Crimson Tide, just got the head coaching job at the University of Texas. And you can't tell me that might not be in the head of him in his preparation. Yes, you have one more game to prepare for. But after this, you're leaving Tuscaloosa to go to Austin. Yeah, great weather in both places. But when you have your foot in one place and your heart in another, man, oh man, oh man, that might be a little tricky. That might trip up the Crimson Tide in this game coming up. I'm not giving my pick or who I believe is going to win this game just yet. Not sure if that's going to come on Thursday's episode or on the 11th, the night, the night of the game. But whatever day it is, you got to wait and see. But as of right now, Dabo Sweeney running his mouth, running his mouth. That man kept talking. Just added fuel to the fire. And the rest, 
Dabo. 49 to 28, <laughs> the rest is history. Load management. You either like the word or phrase or you hate it. There's really no in between. Load management. I don't know when the phrase got started. I don't know who exactly started it. It could have been Greg Popovich as he had found ways to allow his players to get all the rest needed so that they're fresh for game time for the deep playoff run. I don't know, but load management is something that when I hear it, I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of cringe. I get a little uneasy. I start asking and wondering too, my wondering, is this needed? Is this something that, well, is something that players need? Or is it new age and a lot of things that are new age I like? But this is something new age in sports that your boy just can't go with. Load management. What is it, you might ask? Well, when you, when your load gets a little heavy, <laughs> basically, when you got a load, maybe 82 games, 75 games, 72 games, you got a load. And your load is not you carrying barrels of hay. Your load is not leading a family. Your load is just managing your body during a long basketball season. That's it. But might I remind you, these gentlemen are getting paid millions, millions, millions of dollars. Some $200 million plus in a three to four, I mean a four or five year span to play a game. They're getting paid a healthy amount of money to play a child's game. And in them getting paid a lot of money in their contracts, some contracts they're built with load management, but the old school way was we're signing, you're signing this contract to play every game that's on the schedule, regular season and postseason. Somewhere along the line, these players said, look, 82 games is too much. I don't care how much money y'all paying me. 82 games is too much. I need to rest my bones. Sir, you're 23 years old. What do you want to rest for? What, what, help, help me out. You are 23, 24, 25 years old. What do you want to rest for? You ain't, ain't like you 85, 86, 87. You worked a long time. You been retired for a little bit. You got a little side, a little side gig you're doing to stay busy, to stay young. But you're 23, 24, 25 years old. What are you resting for? Help me understand this. As my dad says, my dad's are, uh, older, older than me. And my dad's a gentleman that's, he don't like load management either. But he's out there and we're looking at, him and I go to, go to a lot of high school basketball games. And my dad is one that says, hey man, look, what you sitting that young man out for? He's 15, 16, 17 years old. He is fresh, playing two games, and one day ain't going to hurt him. Get him out there and play. Now, I, I, I agree with that too. But you know what it comes from an older person that's been around for a little while, been seasoned as far as what they have done and gone through in life? Yeah, yeah. Hey, say that. <laughs> say that. Yeah, say it again. Maybe it'll get through to them. And that's kind of how things are, guys. That's just, just being honest with you. Play the game. Play the game. And when you haven't played basketball in a long time, a, re a NBA basketball game in a very long time, and all of a sudden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, you're out for do the rest? Excuse me? Do you get paid to sit out? Do you get paid to pay the rest? Or do you get paid to play the game? Now, you play to win the game, but you get paid to play. If you don't play, you're not getting paid. Now, granted, some of these guys and their agents, they have found ways to put things inside of contracts that will allow them to sit out, to rest, 
to not be able to play, to not have to play all every single game in a season. That's okay. I mean, for them, in their eyes, I don't like it because, once again, if we have 82 games on our regular season schedule and I'm the head coach, I expect to have not just player number one, but also player number 15 and everybody else throughout that roster on the court all 82 games. Think about, I mean, if you're, 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 your job, your job now, your boss expects you to be at work. You're scheduled to work. You're expected to be at work. Now, granted, there are PTO days that are built in, but also NBA players, they got months off in between seasons. Some, a little bit more time than others. A lot of players never make the playoffs, so their season normally starts middle of October, which I still can't get with. I'm still used to it starting around Halloween. This year was different, but normally the past couple of years, the NBA, NBA season has started in the middle of October. I'm just a creature of habit. That's all that is. I, not just not that I don't I don't like change. I'm just a creature of habit. Halloween season a whole lot better than starting the middle of October. But who am I? Who am I to tell the NBA what to do? So, middle of October to the middle of April, you got May, June, July, August, September. You get, you probably report back to training camp to the facility. You got four months right there. You got four months of rest. Four months off. So someone says, hey, man, look, my job got PTO. Ain't that like the players uh, taking rest days off in the season? Not really. Nope. It ain't. Nope. 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 It surely is not. Nope. 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 Especially when you've been out, when you haven't played high level basketball in a very, very, very long time. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say and be naive and say Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant weren't healthy. I mean, I mean, they weren't sore. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that at all. They may, they may obviously be nursing a little injury, a, 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 something that has them uh, derailed, a little ailment to them. Th- that may possibly be there. I'm not saying it's not. But one thing I will say about this, load management, never been a, a fan of it, never have. I probably never will be either. I am always a fan of you working, of you doing more, of you doing the things that are needed for your team to be successful at the end of the season and playing every game on your schedule. If you're hurt, I get it. You're hurt. But this whole sitting out for rest or load management or I got 82 games and I'm only going to play 70, not a fan of it. If you're healthy, play. Healthy, not saying you need rest. If you're healthy, play. Resting, rest is for the offseason. In season, you're in. 100% and play. I believe you should play every game. One person that played every time they were asked to play, not on the field uh, or the court like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but simply with his job is Mike Golick. The Mike Golick time at ESPN is over. And it's something that me, someone that likes to stick with things from the childhood and that likes to utilize those things now, as far as watching old basketball or football games or watching old clips of interviews, I like those. I like to see and remember the things that happened during my childhood. Even now, watching watching old reruns, or not old, watching reruns of Martin or The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or the old TV shows that I grew up on, Saved by the Bell. I like those things. And when I think about my childhood growing up as a sports fan, ESPN their morning show, as great as Mike Greenberg was, 
Their show would not be what it was without Mike Golick. But Golick didn't get a start with Mike and Mike. That wasn't his first gig in sports media. Go all the way back to a time in the 90s when he was doing local radio in Arizona, getting his feet wet, doing the things that at that time you had to do to get into the industry. In the 90s, there were no podcasts. I believe the first podcast was in the early to mid-2000s. I know Bill Simmons, Bill Simmons was one of the first gentlemen to have a podcast. But in the 90s, if you wanted to get into the sports media space, you had to just carve out your own way. And I've heard stories from Kirk Herbstreet to Joel Klatt to other people that did things that were unorthodox to simply get their feet wet, to carve out their own path, didn't think that the end game would be where they currently are in their career, but that's the way the cookie crumbled. Mike Golick was there in Arizona doing local radio, eventually got the gig with ESPN, did some things for college football calling games, and man, once me personally, I don't remember the local radio stuff for, for Golick uh, there in Arizona. I don't remember him doing stuff for college football there for ESPN. But Mike and Mike, Golick and Greenberg, you can do whatever you want as far as alliteration with the name of that show. Those two together, to me, it was a marriage. A perfect marriage, a perfect connection. And those two had the ideal chemistry. I won't say the best, but the ideal chemistry for what ESPN and Disney were looking forward to, looking for in that morning show. Starts off as a radio show. Of course, there's always some hiccups when you have a a new guy, a partner that you never never worked with before. But right there on the radio, and then eventually, eventually the idea of putting that radio show on TV in a simulcast, something new, something different. You're saying, will this work? Will this be something that will this be something that people will watch? We're a radio show. We're two guys that sit behind a mic, just like Jay is doing right now, and talking to a microphone to let people know about our thoughts, our opinions, and things that have happened that are happening right now in sports. A new idea, a different idea, prompted and pushed this show to be even bigger and better than it was. And think about waking up. I mean, some of you are not morning people. I woke up kind of early this morning. Some of you are not morning people. So the thought of a show starting at 6 a.m., going from 6 to 10 every single day, having to wake up, what, 3.45, 4 o'clock in the a.m. to get ready for the show every single day, that's tough. Golik, right there. A pro's pro. Not just not just on the show, but also in the sports media space as well. He is a pro's pro and someone that was always willing to help someone out. Some people some people were wondering, would the show go on? Would he be as successful once Greenberg left the show and he got his own show get up? Hey, Golik, I think he made that show. He not not just made Mike and Mike, but also Golik and Wingo. He made that show as well. His charisma, his smile. His ability to make people laugh, sometimes cry. His ability to do different things, uh, getting pied in the face on TV by Magic Johnson. Recently saw that clip from 2017 or whatever he else he did. Eating donuts live on air in the middle of while talking. Oh, here's some food. I'm going to go ahead and eat that right there in front of you. Whatever it was Golik did, Mike Golik waking up on ESPN for the past, what, 20 years? It was something Many people did religiously. And I love, thoroughly enjoyed hearing him, watching him call college football games at the end of his tenure at ESPN. Something that I wish, I don't know if 
he was against it. But something that I wish he was able to do more of while at ESPN. Because no matter if it's the radio show or calling games or being a dad, as we see him so often do on TV, he is doing it at a high level in a way that makes everybody happy. And the people around him, his kids, from what I have heard, people listening to him or watching him call games, or the audience that was so large of Mike and Mike, no matter who it was, everyone saw Golik. And they will be remembered. They will remember a guy that woke up, put a, had a smile on his face, and did his job, and was an enjoyable listen, enjoyable person to just watch and listen to. No matter if it was TV you're watching, radio you're listening, or watching him call games, or being a dad. Everyone, when they've they come in contact with Mike Golick, left with a smile on their face. I never met the man. I wish I did. But from what I have seen and witnessed from him, from watching him on TV, he is someone that is a great colleague and someone that you could not just learn from, but have an enjoyable time listening to or watching him while he is doing something that he loves. Golick, we will miss you. ESPN is turning things and changing things, not just with TV, but also with radio as well. Golik, I wish you could be there, be an ESPN lifer. I wish you could keep your career with ESPN could keep going. But I myself am very excited to see what's next for Mike Golik. May it be another radio show? May it be a podcast like this one? Or may it be him calling, calling college football games? I hope it's a radio show it's or a podcast and calling games. Because those two, couple some of those together, that will be something I believe Golik could do for a very long time at a very high level because he's very, very good at his craft. Thank you so much for listening to and enjoying another episode of the J. Stevens Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jsteven07. You can also send all of the emails to jstevenspod at gmail.com. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way for people that are searching for a new podcast to listen to, to come across this one. Then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So no matter if this was your first episode or if you have been listening since episode number one, be sure so people know about the podcast. This has been episode 164 of the Jason's Podcast. I will see you next time.